0: On this episode of Common Mystics, we give voice to the spirit of Reverend Solomon Sharp, whose spirit drew us to a tiny town in Delaware to share his surprising connection to one of our prior stories. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today's story comes to you from Smyrna, Delaware. That's right. You guys, you know what we do.
1: They know what we do. What do we do, Jill? They know what we do. We drive around the continental United States and we ask the spirits to bring us to a story that gives voice to the voiceless, that is previously unknown to us, that is verifiable. And so while we're driving around, we're taking notes and we are bringing those notes back home to the computer where we do Google search dives on those hits. And sometimes, <laughs> Jennifer, yes? sometimes what happens? amongst the old newspapers and the different clips about the different times and people and things that we were experiencing from spirit, we are drawn to an additional spirit out of the area. And that happens to be the case with a
0: one Reverend Solomon Sharp. That is true. He seems to be coming through when we were driving around the Delaware and Maryland area, correct? He pulled us to one creepy ass haunted little town, yo, for real. And I say that with love. Creepy little towns are our favorite. That's our vibe, yo. Like, for real. <laughs> True. But we can't get into that now. So if you are interested in hearing all about the creepy town that is purportedly haunted, Smyrna, Delaware, please check us out at our Patreon page and sign up at tiers two and above to hear our detours episodes. But Jill, for now, yeah, remind us where we were when we were in Delaware.
1: Yeah, we stopped in Smyrna, Delaware, like we said, and we were pulled to the old African-American cemetery that was associated with the old Asbury church. It was a Methodist church. And across the street from that cemetery is where the church had once stood. So we were getting our vibes on in the area. And you were definitely drawn to that church and where it used to be standing. What were you feeling then?
0: I was feeling a Mormon vibe. Uh, What about you?
1: I was definitely feeling some kind of misconduct from Mm -hmm. someone that was associated with the church in some way. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. little judgment coming from spirit.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. feeling a family connection and also the state of Illinois was coming up, which to me is home. Right. And you? I was feeling a kerfuffle. Some
1: type of disagreement that got turned up to an eleven. It felt like I don't want to say a full on battle, but there was definitely some kind of some parties a warren happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, conflict. Absolutely. I like kerfuffle. Kerfuffle.
0: Yeah, kerfuffle. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, we're mm-hmm. moving on. And oh, we were stuck on that whole idea of time and how our actions, our thoughts, our energy that we put out into the world doesn't just move in one direction from present to future.
1: Ugh, you guys, we learn from our South Carolina Ridgeway experience that not only does our behavior affect the future generations we discovered that that ripple effect also goes behind us, back to our ancestors. So the things that we experience and do today, they are being affected by that energy as well, which
0: is so trippy.
1: I think it's trippy when you say it that way, when you consider behaviors that our ancestors may not have liked. But when I give readings, Everyone wants to know if their so-and-so is proud of them, right? Mm, so right. it's the same thing, but we usually look for that validation from spirit in a positive way. We're not like, you pissed off, right? You, you mad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. saw that? You know what I mean? Right. We don't
0: think in that term. Well, one Reverend Solomon Sharp, like we said in the open, is pissed off. For sure. Tell me a little bit about him. Reverend Solomon Sharp was born in Carolina, Maryland in 1771. He was living in New Jersey when he met the love of his life, Miss Mm. Gemma Budd, and they were married in 1798, and they had five children together. Wow. Okay. At some point, they moved and settled to Smyrna, Delaware. And Reverend Solomon Sharp was the head of the old Asbury Church. Remember where we were, Jill? The old Asbury Church site? Yeah, absolutely. That very church that was around in the early 1800s was the church of Reverend Solomon Sharp. It was a Methodist Episcopalian church. What does that mean?
1: Do they have similarities to the Church of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons that you
0: were picking up on? No, not at all. The Methodist Episcopalians follow the teachings of a man named John Wesley, who started the church. Never heard of him. The roots of that church date back to 1730 in England. By contrast, the Church of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormon Church, wasn't established until a 100 years after that by Joseph Smith in 1830 in New York. So they're really not affiliated at all. They have different roots entirely.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: So no relation. What were
1: some of the teachings? Were Were there similar teachings? Could that be a connection?
0: No, I don't compare and contrast here. But I will tell you about the teachings of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Episcopal Church. Okay. He believed that people should be kind and helpful to each other. I like that. Mm -hmm. He taught that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, that we should trust in God and live a life of prayer. Now that all sounds pretty generic as far as a religion goes, but there's more. He
1: had me until a life of prayer, and that just felt overwhelming. Like I was like, okay, okay, and then like a life of prayer, I was like, ooh, that's I know a that lot sounds to hard. Take on. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: people who chose to join the Methodist Episcopal Church would hear sermons, they would participate in Bible studies, and other activities such as planning service projects. And this was huge for this church because it was known for its commitment to social justice and outreach, making it an ideal choice for people or families who wanted to make a difference in their community and in the larger world.
1: I love that so much. I like these people. So Solomon Sharp was the head of the church.
0: Yes, he was. He was the head of the old Asbury Methodist Episcopalian Church in Smyrna, Delaware, until he died in the year 1830. Okay. However, he certainly had a lasting impact on that community, as you and I found out by researching in the old newspaper articles that were published years after his death, and yet they mention him by name and discuss his character and his deeds. I love this. Tell me everything. In the Smyrna Times, July 16th, 1884, there is an article by Reverend John Roche. And he says that Solomon was one of the honored fathers of the former century. Wow reverend solomon sharp is described in this paper as tall and majestic with long flowing white hair that comes down to his shoulders and his eyes are described as lustrous and large and his features as intelligent his countenance full of benignity wow
1: that's like a tinder profile to like (laughs) like for real
0: you and your tinder profiles for sure I mean, I like it could it. be Moses, you know, from that movie, The Ten Commandments. Oh,
1: wow. Wow. Right? I was thinking
0: Angel. I was thinking Angel. Not oh, Moses. wow. You went in a different direction with that. Yeah. Like Angel, like from the Buffy series. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. What I am not angel, a fan then? of Angel. What are you, t- what are you talking about? What I'm talking about
1: like a real angel. Oh. Like he sounds like a majestic, <laughs> flowing <laughs> white about? hair.
0: David Boreanaz. No. Okay. Sorry. I, I misunderstood your reference there. Anyway, his colleagues said that he was the best modern-day preacher that they had ever heard, and certainly the best preacher on the entire Delaware, Maryland, Virginia Peninsula.
1: That's really impressive. That's a large bit of land.
0: Yeah, not only that, but he actually revitalized the church through his sermons. His speeches were long and descriptive. They lasted, at a minimum, an hour and a half.
1: Jesus, I don't know, Solomon. I don't know. I, don't I know, know that is a long
0: time to sit on those benches. You know oh they my weren't God. padded either. They
1: don't have air conditioning.
0: Oh, mm. I no. know. Yet, Jill, despite the length, despite the circumstances through which people would be sitting through his sermons, it is said that they hung on his every word. He was such wow. a magnificent speaker. I know.
1: I would have loved to hear him.
0: The author of this article, John Roche, also said that he was not majestic, he was divine.
1: It almost seems like mystical to call someone an oracle. That's not something you associate with like a Methodist, at least not in my mind.
0: I agree with you. Not only was he a talented speaker and preacher, but people also said that he, quote, walked with God. So he wasn't just a good speaker. He was a holy person. He not only talked the talk, he walked the walk.
1: Okay, I'll tell you right now, what comes to my head when you said that is I was thinking of John the Baptist.
0: Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, all of these references from the Bible come up here. The prophets, the oracles, yes. The walking with God. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, it's almost like the papers describe him doing miracles. Uh Uh-huh. So there was a sickly member of the community. His name was Piner Mansfield. And he was gravely, gravely ill and given up for dead. But when Solomon Sharp walked into his bedchamber, he knelt down beside Piner's bed and prayed. He said, Lord, you can do without him thou hast many about thy throne to do the honor. We have too few such as we need. This is one of those we want here for thy work. Wow. That is a good argument. Wow.
1: Well, I mean, can you imagine if you're sick and then this man that's already like revered by the community and by the peninsula at large walks in your room and he says, God, we need this one. Yeah. Like I would feel like I would have to like do a lot. You know what I mean? It sounds like he's writing a contract for me. I would be like, Solomon, what are we promising here? Like, what does that mean? What am I doing? Right?
0: Yeah. Good point. I'd be
1: like, just let me die, man. I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not you, up to what that. You? Yeah. I was like, can we talk about it? I, like, I don't know what you're signing me up for, but right. I think we should talk before you start petitioning and <laughs> like, for real.
0: Okay, good point. Well, I don't know how Piner Mansfield felt about it, but Sharp then earnestly beseeched the power of God, and he pled for Piner Mansfield's recovery. And according to the author of the article, John Roche, he took hold of God's strength and Piner lived. And it was said that the reverend's prayers would not let him die. Wow! I know, right? So additionally, community members were always seeking personal prayers from Reverend Sharp on their behalf, believing oh, sure. that if he prayed for you, you would surely go to heaven.
1: Legit. I used to do that to grandma all the time. I know. She would get I so mad at me. She would be like, baby, you can pray for yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> grandma, if it comes from you, I'm like, grandma, right, right. she'd be like, jilly. I'll be like, no, for real. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. There's another article written by another member of the church, and this one is from the Smyrna Times from January tenth, 1866. It says that those who knew that man of God, meaning Reverend Sharp, could not forget him. His patriarchal appearance, his strong voice, his benign look, his powerful prayers and faith that took no denial left such an impression.
1: The reason why I like this article specifically from the January 10th, 1866 Smyrna Times is because this article was written by a man after strolling through the cemetery And felt when he walked by Solomon's grave, these feelings, these feelings that invoked in him the memory of Solomon. And that's why I like this article so much, because essentially he was doing exactly what we were doing, walking around, feeling the spirits from the fast. And this is what he felt from that gravesite.
0: Wow. And he also talks about another time when he, quote unquote, performed a miracle.
1: Apparently, Reverend Sharp was legit going from door to door, performing miracles when needed.
0: When I say quote unquote, those are my words. I'm saying this sounds like a miracle, but this church member isn't being so bold as to call it a miracle. I just Mm -hmm. want to be clear. What'd he do? He says, while in Smyrna, two of the local preachers were dangerously ill, and Reverend Sharp called to see them. And such were his prayers for their recovery, that they were restored to health. A female member of the church also being sick, a like prayer was offered for her with like success. So this guy, he's saying this happens all the time. If Reverend Sharp comes and prays for you, you will recover.
1: This author likens Reverend Sharp to Elijah, the prophet. For when praying for rain for the parched earth was soon watered. Right, That's crazy. So he's a big deal. Quite impressive.
0: Yeah. Decades after his death, people are still talking about his deeds and his character. His
1: presence is felt around town. His presence is felt around the cemetery. Like He's still looming over this community. Absolutely. Not just in the 1860s, but in 2022 when we were there. We were feeling
0: the same energies. Right. And I wanted to give you an idea of who this man was before we moved on, because it seems to me that. Old Reverend Solomon Sharp is not at rest. Okay. Tell me why. It has to do with his son, Thomas C. Sharp. Who might that be? Who is this Thomas? Well, the youngest child of Reverend Solomon and Gemma Sharp. Okay. So Thomas has his miracle working
1: father all not at rest. He must have did some shit. What happened? What did he do? Did he go to jail? Oh. (laughs) Girl, I know Thomas.
0: I know. Stop projecting, Jill. It's not about you. <laughs> Thomas C. Sharp was born in Mount Holly Township, New Jersey, and of course he was the son of the prominent preacher, Reverend Solomon Sharp. Mhm. He attended Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. He was a lawyer and he was admitted to the legal bar of Cumberland County, Illinois in what? April 1840.
1: Okay, Solomon, it seems like Thomas is pretty legit. I don't understand what your kids have to do to impress you, but I'm impressed.
0: Right. I mean He went to school. He became a lawyer. I mean, is he single? Jill. Fair question. Stop hooking up with ghosts. Why are you all about the Tinder profiles? I'm just saying, I'm just, I I think it's fascinating. Thomas Sharp, however, had a problem. And that problem was that he was, he was partially deaf. And because of that, he wasn't able to function in courtrooms. And so he had to give up a career in law.
1: That's so crazy to think about. Yeah
0: disabilities back then
1: yeah that is really yeah today it wouldn't even be a thing wouldn't even be a thing sorry about that thomas
0: so what did he do with himself he moved to a town called warsaw illinois in september of 1840 where he would marry and have children and basically live out the rest of his life
1: again solomon not seeing
0: why you're so upset not not feeling you in november of 1840 thomas sharp And a business partner purchased the Warsaw newspaper entitled Western World, which they renamed Warsaw Signal in 1841. And Sharp used the paper to promote his opposition to, wait for it, the Mormon presence in Hancock County, Illinois.
1: Okay, so I just want to stop. I don't know how we got here. I really don't. Okay. <laughs> wait a second. So we are traveling around Delaware. Uh
0: huh. A year after we talked about the Mormons on our pod. On episode 47, Massacre in the Utah Territory.
1: And this all powerful Reverend Solomon Sharp grabs our attention to say how angry he was because his
0: son was publishing anti-Mormon. The anti-Mormon sentiments in his paper. Yeah. But there's that. Okay. That's not all of it. There's more? There's more. In 1839, you might remember that the Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. made that momentous decision to move from Missouri to Illinois under the leadership of the Prophet Joseph Smith. I am feeling that. I remember. I remember that. And this decision was prompted by repeated attempts by Missouri officials to persecute the Mormons and drive them out of town.
1: And I remember John Gunnison from that episode 47, The Massacre in the Utah Territory, he wrote a book because everyone was so up in arms about hating on the Mormons. He was like, you guys, if you just chill out, they won't get so radicalized by their own beliefs if we just acclimate them into society. Exactly. I listen. In
0: 1839, Joseph Smith leads the Mormons to Illinois to... Hancock County to a town named Nauvoo. And despite facing additional persecution, the Mormon population was able to flourish in Nauvoo, Illinois, and they were Mm. able to build temples for worship. And the church was growing quickly and gaining strength while also establishing a strong sense of community identity. And the influence of the Mormons in Nauvoo had an important effect on the culture economy and politics of the county of Hancock.
1: That's so interesting. If you are watching these people come in and their beliefs were different than yours, I think uh-huh. a knee-jerk reaction would be like, oh, hell no, what are these people doing? Especially if they're building and growing in strength and numbers and establishing strong connections politically and economically, that's
0: huge. Mm-hmm. There's a great article by Annette P. Hampshire entitled Thomas Sharp, and Anti-Mormon Sent In Illinois, 1842 to 1845. And she discusses that Thomas Sharp was the premier anti Mormon voice in Hancock County, Illinois, in the 1840s. He was the leader. Damn.
1: Okay, so this man is hateful AF, right? We already know it. He angry. He's he angry, ang- yes. Angry. But tell me why. Like, I get that it's threatening that they're, like, growing in numbers and they're political and they're and like, the money's coming in. But why is he, like, straight up
0: angry with this culture? According to Annette Hampshire, when Thomas Sharp arrived in Warsaw, Illinois, in 1840, he found it to be a prosperous river town of about 500 people. It was located on the Mississippi River, which hmm. ensured its place in antebellum river trade, which was yes. huge in the early Absolutely. 1800s. So they were a proud little town that was really looking forward to growing and being prosperous with its location on the Mississippi. Now, the only rival to Warsaw in the county was that Mormon community in Nauvoo, about 20 miles north on the river.
1: Ow. Yes.
0: So Nauvoo is its nemesis. Joseph Smith didn't want any problems from the non-Mormons in the area.
1: He's probably tired. I mean, he went from New York to... I mean, he went all over the place being like, I really don't want to move again. Everyone hates moving, right? So I'm with Joseph Smith. He's like, every time I I move... Everyone hates moving. I know. Every
0: time I move, I want to throw out all my stuff.
1: Exactly. All of it.
0: There's no two men in a truck. Right. Put it all in the wagon once again. There's no
1: U-Haul. He's just like, you guys, for real, can we just be friends? Like, for sure. I'm just gonna do us. You do you. No, no shade on that game. Just whatever. But Thomas Sharp couldn't let it go. There was a beat in his bonnet. Why? I don't understand. Right. I get the whole rivalry. Like I have sisters. I get it. But did it have to go? Did it have to be like this? Like so contentious? Hang in there, guys. We'll be right back.
0: Hi, everyone. We are so excited to unveil the first book in our series entitled Common Mystics Present Ghost on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths. It's everything you love about Common Mystics and more. It's a retelling of 10 of our favorite stories from our pod with exciting extras. Extras like souvenirs, what we took away from the experience,
1: and what to know if you go if you decide to travel in our footsteps.
0: Pre-order the Kindle edition now. All other formats of the book will be available for purchase at Amazon.com on July 1st, 2023. Thanks, guys. Now back to the show. It must have been really frightening for outsiders to watch the Mormons in Nauvoo. It started as just a few little shanties in 1839 when they got there. But by 1842, Nauvoo had grown to almost 4,000. It is ballooning.
1: Well, I'll tell you. So what you're describing is in three years, that prominent little Warsaw town on the Mississippi that was at 500, their rivaling town went to 4,000, which is eight times larger. So they are totally eclipsed.
0: Exactly. So Joseph Smith, He's aware of this anti-Mormon sentiment that's growing.
1: And let's be fair. Thomas Sharp is not that subtle either. It's not like he's being passive aggressive. He's full on writing full newspapers about the Mormons, full on being annoying. And Joseph's like, dude, I don't want to move again, you guys. What should we do? Right. So what does Joseph do? Because he's like, I don't want to move. I am so sick of packing my shit up right now.
0: (laughs) So Nauvoo has a big celebration. So Joseph Smith is going to make nice. He waves the white flag. He's planning, He's planning a, a party. A party. Yes. everyone
1: likes a party. Who doesn't like a party? So he
0: invites his greatest rival, Thomas Sharp.
1: Stop a second. Would you ever do that? For like, I maybe honestly, like I feel maybe like the I think I would. Idea. I like that strategy. Really?
0: I always look for the one person who I know doesn't like me, and I try to win them over.
1: Okay, that may, like, if they just don't like you. But this man is foaming at the mouth. (laughs) It's like trying to cuddle a
0: rabies-infested animal. Like, you don't do it. Let's keep going. So... There were festivities, including pomp and ceremonies. and the ceremonies did include military demonstrations. The
1: Mormons at that time did have this weird kind of relationship with law
0: and their settlement and military power. Yeah. Yeah. If I, yeah. yeah if I did invite Thomas Sharp to this celebration, I probably would have like put the soldiers away. And then yeah, like, no, yeah, for sure. like you guys stay home.
1: again, I feel like history, and please don't come after me Mormons. but I do feel like the history when we look back at the Mormons, they're like, what? We were just being Mormons. <laughs> it's like you had a whole military march like, come on. like really? Is that really what you thought was gonna win him over? He's not a babe in the woods. He's a leader of like a whole bunch of people to be like, well, what do you mean? You're scared by my my military presence? My goodness. It's like, come on, Joseph.
0: Anyway, go on. Well, according to this source, Joseph Smith was hoping to impress Thomas Sharp with the town celebration, but it had the effect of terrifying Thomas Sharp. And it impressed upon him that the Mormons had political, economic and military might and turned Thomas even more fully against the Mormons.
1: Okay, I already thought we were up to 11. So I'm, again, very surprised that Joseph invited Thomas to the party. But elaborate on what this full on against
0: the Mormons look like. Thomas Sharp and some of his associates formed the Anti-Mormon Party to oppose Mormon influences in Hancock County.
1: Again, not subtle. Like, these folks ain't subtle at all. They are just full-on haters. Okay, go on. On both sides. In
0: 1842, Thomas Sharp ran as a candidate for the Hancock County seat in the Illinois House of Representatives as a representative of the Whig Party. Wow. His principal opponent was a Mormon who ran for the Democratic Party. Uh-oh. The Mormon won the election oh, easily. Man. Easily as a result of oh. the Mormon voters in Nauvoo. Oh, like, this is embarrassing. This is where you see the political power of the Mormons. This is going to change everything.
1: The, yes, I see what you're saying in a very mature way. Yes, I get what you're saying. But if you're Thomas Sharp, you're salty. You You <laughs> Salty. As <laughs> you, you, like, like, you lost. You lost the mornings. salty AF. In an 1844
0: editorial, Sharp writes in his paper, hold on. Uh-oh. War?
1: No, no, say it like you're Thomas Sharp. <laughs> How do I say it like I'm Thomas Sharp?
0: You're pissed. Give me anger. War and extermination is inevitable. Citizens yes. arise, one and all. Can yeah. you stand by and suffer such infernal devils to rob men of their property and rights without avenging them? We have no time for comment. Every man will make his own. Let it be made with power and ball. Ooh. What does that mean? Power and ball? What is he talking about? I, balls. I think is that cannonballs? I what do. Are,
1: powder?
0: Pow oh. Power and ball.
1: Yeah, cannonballs. Oh. <laughs> Did I say power and ball? I don't know, but I was thinking it's powder I and ball, when,
0: powder and ball. yeah, not power and ball, not power. And not po- power pa- and I mean,
1: ball. both both work,
0: <laughs> both work here,
1: right? It's powder, both yeah. are. I get you, Cannons. I get you, Thomas. A gunfire, I'm picking up with-
0: gunfire. Yes. Oh, okay,
1: okay. That uh, both again, both work. Power and balls, powder and balls.
0: He's inciting violence right here. <sighs> he is too. That's what he's doing. He really is. It was in June of 1844 that Joseph Smith ordered the destruction of the printing press of the anti-Mormon Nauvoo Expositor. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I remember this from episode 47, Massacre in the Utah Territory, where Joseph Smith was like, hey Mormons, rise up and let's destroy this anti-Mormon press. We're going to get you. He and all his peeps burn it down and him and his brother were arrested. They were arrested and they were put in jail. And then what happened? The people that were anti- anti-Mormon was like oh we know where Joseph is in jail all by himself and his brother we gonna get you and they go and they kill him in jail and bye-bye Joseph Smith so you know what those poor Mormons are packing up again and leaving to Utah that's what happened I remember it tell me I'm wrong
0: that's a good Jill summary of what happened yeah Mm -hmm. I listened when when you talked Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were killed on June twenty seventh, 1844, in Carthage Jail in Illinois, when a mob of 200 men stormed the jail.
1: I don't understand why wasn't anyone like standing guard outside of that jail. So someone just incited violence against your leader. Your leader flexes back and is like, burn the paper down. So now the paper's burned down. They're in jail. You would be like, yeah, this is like a hostile situation. We need to send somebody to guard them while they await a fair and prompt trial, as is their
0: right. In the meantime, Thomas Sharp wrote an editorial in the paper pretty much justifying the murders. Dude, that's kind of shitty. Five defendants would go to trial for the murders. And it was common knowledge that the Smiths, Joseph and Hiram, had been killed by men from the Warsaw militia, and four of the defendants were officers in the militia. The fifth defendant, Thomas C. Sharp, O M G, who had called for the expulsion of the Mormons and violence against them before the attack in Carthage and after the murder of the Smiths in the paper called the incident justified. Wow. Now, on September 25th, 1844, there was a deputy sheriff that went to arrest Thomas Sharp because he was a suspect in the murders of Joseph and Hiram Smith.
1: Parents do not like it when their youngest children
0: get arrested. Again, you are identifying a little too much. Just telling you. But Sharp refused to go with the sheriff. He was just like, no, I'm not going to jail.
1: Well, yeah, there are like 10,000 Mormons around here that may kill me in jail after we just incited violence against Joseph Smith that ultimately led to his death. So, yeah, I wouldn't go to jail either. But that is ballsy to be like resisting arrest.
0: Two days later, after evading arrest, the governor issued a proclamation offering a reward for the arrest of Thomas Sharp.
1: Oh, my God, Thomas, you bad. And you
0: know what he did? Huh? He ran He ran across the Mississippi River and went into hiding in Missouri. And we already know the Missourians don't like the Mormons. (laughs) That's true. Now, by October 1st, Thomas Sharp agreed to surrender on condition that he would be tried at Quincy, Illinois, as opposed to Nauvoo. He did not want to be tried in the Mormon community (laughs) of Nauvoo. Smart lawyer work. At trial, Sharp and the four other accused persons were all acquitted of the murders of the Smiths. The death of Joseph Smith led to a schism in the Latter-day Saint movement that resulted from secession disputes, and many Mormons chose to follow Brigham Young in a mass exodus from Illinois that started around 1847. The murders and perceived mishandling of justice created religious martyrs of Joseph and Hiram Smith.
1: Well, and I will tell you this. Do you want to know my second impressions? I hate to give them unless you ask.
0: Jill, will you please give me your psychic impressions? Yes,
1: this is what I think happened psychically. Talk to us. No, for real, because this doesn't make sense. This literally does not make sense. The fact that Joseph Smith went to jail and like all 10,000 of the Mormons were like okay with it and didn't have some kind of struggle to protect them seems fishy to me. So what I think is that as the Mormon movement and again, this is totally conjecture, this is just Jill's psychicness. As the Mormon movement was building and they were getting economic strength and building that militia power and the political influence that we know the Mormons to have had later was happening. Joseph Smith was distracted by Thomas Sharp and his head was like out of the game, not paying attention of who in his ranks were kind of like the Brutus sharpening their knives, being like, how can we get Joseph out of the way? And so I think Brigham Young went to Thomas Sharp and was like, hey, man, I will lead these people out of here if you get this man and his brother out of my way.
0: You think Brigham Young went to Thomas Sharp?
1: I 100% <sighs> do. Kill him, get him out of here, and like out of my way, and I will lead these people like a shepherd out of this area.
0: Wow.
1: Now, again, there is no historical evidence. This is just Jill, Jill mind, but it does not make sense on any level for... Joseph Smith not to have an army his militia power surrounding that jail no sense at all
0: so what do you think Reverend Solomon Sharp the father of Thomas Sharp wants us to say
1: yeah a parent never wants their youngest kid to get arrested that's it dude Reverend Sharp was a prophet yes was the epitome of, of holiness
0: he was a miracle worker and a true man of god by the way, we didn't say this before. I believe that he really was as he is described.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I believe that to be true. He was a holy man. And
0: he would not want his son He would not want his son inciting violence against another group. That's not what he was about. That's not his way. That wasn't the message of the Methodist church that he led.
1: That's exactly right. And what Thomas was a part of. He was a Methodist. He was a part of that community. And we have the son of the new prophet Elijah inciting violence. And May, there are different historical accounts that Thomas was actually at the jail. Ooh. So it's it may have even been participating in that type of violence, not just inciting it, but like being there.
0: Being a part of firing the guns. Right. Right. Wow. Well, that all makes sense because by behaving in this way, even though his father was already gone, his father died in 1830. Mm-hmm. Even though his father was already gone, his father knows what happened. And he's not happy that Thomas Sharp tarnished the legacy of the family and the name. I feel like Thomas Sharp was disowned by Reverend Sharp. By his dad. I feel like that was
1: a clear violation of morality that Reverend Sharp is almost like cutting him off, it feels like. What do you think?
0: I agree with you. I also think it is so trippy. How did this spirit know that we talked about the Mormons? It feels like Reverend Solomon Sharp knew that we would talk about the story because of our connection to the story.
1: I agree. You guys, honestly, please email us or leave us a message. Like, DM Is it us. just us? Because it's this like, is it weird. It really feels weird. Literally, we we're just driving around Delaware a year later and yeah. you guys know that Mormon episode was not easy for us. No, Even then, and sorry Mormons, I never liked Brigham Young. It was contentious. I think what I learned from this experience is that it's okay not to like Brigham Young. It's okay to <laughs> like, to have your own feelings about a religion that you really don't know a lot about. That's fine. But you can't incite violence. People no. in this country have the right to believe and to do whatever they want to do. And even if their beliefs have... Have a greater following or is growing, that's something that we just have to deal with because we're Americans. That's what we sign up for everyone should have the right to live their best life. What do you think?
0: I'm excited to record the detours and talk more about Reverend Sharp because there is stuff in the papers that we didn't even touch on, like freaky creepy stuff. So we are going to talk more about that and post it on our Patreon page. But let's just review our hits for a second. Please. Obviously, the Mormons being a part of this story, huge surprise. So that Mormon vibe checks out 100%. Well,
1: I I have to say it's a weird place smyrna delaware is not a place that you get mormon bi- like no in, like if you're looking around it that's not that place right right so that's why to me that was like okay what is the connection
0: right and the family obviously thomas sharp was the son of solomon sharp so that family connection in addition to illinois coming through illinois illinois crazy.
1: The misconduct. I think that Sharp literally used his bully pulpit in a way that he shouldn't have been and inciting violence against this community.
0: Right. In addition to that, that feeling of violence and conflict or a kerfuffle. Right. Not to mention, Mm -hmm. we were actually standing at the former site of the old Asbury Church
1: and that we were talking about on that spot about the effect that we have on our ancestors while we were at the site of the old Asbury church. That is crazy. And having that in our notes, as we're looking at this Reverend Sharp that's all over the newspaper popping out at us, it was like, oh my God, we have to look at his kids. And sure enough, Sure enough, his son, like, led a campaign and ultimately killed the leader of the Mormons in Novu, Illinois. Like, what are we saying right now? And I don't know if Tom has pulled the trigger with his powerful balls.
0: It doesn't matter whether or not he pulled the trigger. He effectively is responsible for the murder of this man. But, you know, to take a step back from this story, what seems to be happening with us more and more that I find fascinating and a little spooky is that we're running into spirits Who know us
1: that knew we were coming
0: I know it's so weird they knew we were coming we didn't know where we were going they knew they knew and it reminds me and I do want you to tell this because I think it's such a great example of this how spirits seem to know you and know what you were doing in the past
1: yes I think I told this before you guys if you know this sorry to be redundant But in April, my husband and I are going through these old stamps that we had gotten like out of an addict in an old house, whatever. And Chad and I are looking up the value and like where we can sell them, whatever. Weeks later, it was at the end of May and I'm reading for someone and her husband in spirit says to me, I could have helped you with the stamps. And I see in my head the way I saw the stamps laying on my kitchen counter when he said that, like when I got that. And I was like, I think he's giving me a message. And she's like, well, what did he say? And I'm like, I think he's telling me he could have helped me with the stamp situation that my husband and I were trying to value or get the current value of these stamps. And she's like, yeah, he was a stamp collector. It was like his expertise to know the value of antique stamps.
0: And that idea that spirits can come to you and have knowledge of your own memories, not just use your memories, but have intimate knowledge about what you're thinking and doing before they interact with you, seems to be coming up again and again. But
1: I would even take that a step
0: farther. I don't know if he had access to my
1: memories or in spirit, in time, he knew like someone was like, hey, this girl's gonna be with your wife. So you mm. may wanna get to know her, see if you can trust her. So he kind of just reached in on like a conversation Chad and I had. Kind of like when it's in, in a wonderful life, when uh, before, Clarence. Yes, before he gets down, he's with Joseph and Joseph's telling him. Yes, about and Joseph George tells Bailey. Clarence
0: all about George Bailey's life. Oh, that's interesting.
1: That That's how it felt to me like he he was like brushing up on who I am like am I a responsible person to am I good enough of a communicator to not only get my the information he's giving me but to be able to communicate that to his
0: wife. Right. Right. And that that example is perfect for what we are both experiencing with this podcast now, because we seem to have spirits coming in that seem to be working off our prior knowledge of things that we have talked about and reported on and told stories of. We
1: constantly tell people that we mentor. It's your circle of reference. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're not like you don't subscribe to like, oh, this thought comes from My psychic self, because that's how spirits communicate with you. They know what you know. And that's why it can be confusing. They know what you know. So you're like, well, yeah, I just saw the movie It. Of course I'm seeing a red balloon.
0: Right. We are so on a tangent right now. But this is the kind of stuff we talk about with our Patreon group at Tier 4. So check us out if you're interested in more of this type of talk. Please check us out in our Patreon. And where else can people find us, Jill? You can find us on our
1: socials at Common Mystics Podcast. Look up our website, commonmystics.net. Listen in wherever you're listening to your favorite episodes.
0: And please tell your friends and leave us a positive review if you enjoy our episodes.
1: You guys, thank you so much for buying the book and leaving the reviews on Amazon. It means so much to us. You don't even know.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Good night. Love you.